UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. So we should be live right now. Another episode of the Pinball Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. This is, I think, his third time on my show. I have back with me Nathaniel Gillis. I think Nathaniel's brilliant. And I consider him a good friend. Um, you, you might always see him on. He's on Leak Project a lot um, with his theories on the demonology and like the co-abduction phenomenon. I feel like to properly examine what we're going to get into tonight, you have to look at all areas of it, you know. And that goes back to like some of the people like David Jacobs and Carla Turner. And Nate talks about that. And uh a little bit more about my guest, Nathaniel Gillis is a demonologist and author. After living in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent 20 years researching what it was he encountered. Nathaniel is the founder of the Preternatural Epiphenomenal Philosophy. Nathaniel has sought to redefine the nature of the haunting phenomena, ghosts, and high strangeness. He's often quoted for his concept of the demonic. They're, the reason they're playing by different rules is because they're playing by a different game. And his book is called uh, A Moment with Man, and then did you release a skin that crawls too? It's about to be, yes. Yeah, skin that crawls. <laughs> okay. And, and, yeah, and, and it's, it's going to be. I'm sorry. Good. Good. Sorry. I was just going to say welcome to the show. Thank you for coming back on. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back with you guys as always. And congrats on the podcast, man. You're uh, you're 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 getting more subscribers, and uh, you deserve it. So congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So I, I wanted to get start. I guess start it off with like, um, we, 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 this is something that we we haven't got into in a while because when when me and you did podcasts recently, we were basically covering the UFO abduction phenomenon. Like one thing I wanted to cover real quick was like hauntings and spirits real quick because it's important to me because I think I'm going through that right now. I think I, I'm having that issue. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, like. Just weird things are kind of happening. I thought I had drew jog conclusions to the fact that it was happening before. Then I've never actually seen any. But like one of the things that makes me weird is like I'm kind of waking up with injuries, like, and I'm just going to sleep at night. Nothing's happening, and like, um, and 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 I had reason to believe there was something here before. So, how did you know when you were like infested with something? Like, and and what did you do? My experience was uh, a little bit different. You know, it, it occurred to me when I was eight, nine years old, eight and a half, that kind of area, 
But I mean, I was waking up with full-blown conversations occurring above my head. <laughs> like people were talking to, to each other and I'm witnessing it. Uh, it was fascinating, obviously, but it was uh, traumatic as well. But I mean, it was, it was, it was um, very much present. It wasn't something that I could ignore, you know what I mean? It wasn't a scenario where I could say, okay, is it possible that I'm just like, making this up or I, I'm misinterpreting something? No, it was very much present. It was right there in my face. It was footsteps at nighttime, shadow figures lurking in the corner of my vision. Like I said, disembodied voices. Uh, and then I would slip into the same nightmare over and over again. It was like a loop. And the nightmare consisted of someone committed, committing suicide. And uh, so that was more or less my experience. And so the, the, the way that I dealt with it, uh, I, I kind of created a coping mechanism around its presence. I, I pretty much knew that it was going to be wherever I was. It was, uh, it was not attached to the house as much as it was attached to me as a young person. And so I would go to stay at uh, uh, you know, sleepovers with friends, it would be there. And so the coping mechanism that I created was kind of a barrier between me and the phenomenon itself. And so whenever I would feel fear, I would convince myself that the entity was projecting it upon me. There's no reason that I should fear it. It's just, it's just project, projecting fear upon me so that it could feed off of me, right? And so there was kind of this covenant of belief where once I started to fear it, that's when it started to gain more power over me. That's, that's insane. That was, well, what, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, good. Good. Well, what I was going to say was what, what, one of the, the conclusions I drew was like, I, 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 it started when I, when I, when I had this like podcast with Liz Cross, who's a psychic, she noticed something behind me. And, and then like, like the activity kind of picked up from there. And then like, the girl I was with, she kind of did some things like sage and, you know, mm -hmm. like the, this and that, whatever. And I thought that that kind of nipped it in the butt. But obviously it has because it seems like it's a real trickster. Like it, it, it it's like uh, it does stuff when it, when I'm like sleeping at night, um, but it doesn't really make its presence now. Is that normal? Mm -hmm. um, it's normal to, to, especially when you're dealing with these matters, especially when you're dealing with psychics. Uh, it's normal to to question, okay, is there something going on? I would want to see more evidence. You know what I mean? I would yeah. want to see, okay, if it, does it really start affecting you? Is there a secondary presence in the room? Do you feel a second, second energy around you? Uh, because, you know, oh, like there's a fire. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. It was touching me. Like, okay. But this was before. And then I thought, like I said, I thought we nipped it in the butt. Like, and right. it, what I wanted to tell you is I, I don't like to get personal about stuff, but it was almost like a succubus type energy. And I'll just leave it at that. That, that, that I mean, it wasn't it wasn't doing like the things you say, like how you say these succubuses, like you know, milk things for their semen and stuff. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, it's not like that, but it was touching me inappropriately. And I'm, I, I hate to admit that because it sounds so funny, but like I'm just being no, honest. I, like, I, I it really, you know, like so it's like what I did. I mean, before before the last time we did a podcast, I wasn't. This was like over the last time me and you did a podcast, I think it was maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. So this didn't start happening till about like maybe four or five months ago, you know, maybe six months ago, I, you know, something like that. So like, this is all kind of new territory for me. I've never had a pro issue. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I do. I would monitor the situation. Um, if, if it starts scratching you or, or um, if the nightmares start, 
then it, and its attention starts getting like really changing. You know what I mean? It's mutating and it's pathology. That's when I would start to get worried. Um, right now, I mean, if, if you want to do sage, if you want to do a cleansing, you can, or wear an amulet, you can uh, take dominion over your domain. Uh, this sounds like a reference to Seinfeld, but it's not. Um, but you know, that's what I would do. But at this point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried, worried. You know what I mean? When, when we're dealing with something more malevolent, it's, uh, it's like what I was dealing with. You know what I mean? It's not just, okay, I think I hear something. It's... <laughs> you can't ignore it. So at that point, I think that uh, we would want to address it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking about that. I just wanted to get that out of the way before we get into the main topic, which is the demonology and the, um, the uh, UFO abduction phenomenon, which I think we can draw some parallels to. Um, right. but, but, but when I watched your re most recent interviews, I really liked the one you did with Micah Dank. I've had him on my show. He's a great guy. Um, mm -hmm. You guys talked about like that this goes back to, Sumerian times, like ancient Sumeria, and you mentioned something called Lil Spirits, which reminded me of right. Enlil. You know, where, where are you, where you going? Well, I call this the constitution of consciousness, and it's one of the hypotheses of the origins of demons. You know, for those who are, are unfamiliar, you have the Genesis 6 narrative where you know, these are the spirits of uh, the men of renown and they died and they became demons. So there's a lot of different hypotheses, but one hypothesis dealing with what these beings are comes from the little spirit, the L-I-L -L spirits. And that originates from Phoenician texts. And the idea was basically that when a person dies, their, their breath, their wind, and their spirit would leave their body. And that was uh, termed a Lil spirit. And so basically what we're talking about is a mutated ghost. Uh, one of the Phoenician texts is called um, his wind is released. And basically you had a young man who was dying and he tells his sister, when my Lil leaves, my Lil spirit leaves my body, I, this is what I want you to do with my corpse. But more than anything, it points to the fact that there is a measure of consciousness that exists post-mortem. And that there are at least some spirits that we're dealing with that were formerly human, are formerly human. And that some of them, when they die, they mutated into demons. And, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting hypothesis, um, but it also goes down this rabbit hole that I think is really interesting. It's not just, okay, that there's, constant, there's consciousness that exists out of the body, but that this consciousness had a constitution to it, right? There was a tangibility to it. You could reach out and touch this. Now, we know this as apparitional research or what's called apparitional theory, right? When that's what was happening in history was that these little spirits were manifesting to our ancestors, manifesting to our ancestors, and you could actually reach out and touch them. And so this, this whole idea of consciousness existing post-mortem, it kind of evolved through different mythologies. Matter of fact, one of the mythologies that it evolved into was Lilith in oh. legend, right? And so what, what are we dealing with, right? At first blush, I thought we were dealing with what, what we were told, a Lilith spirit is a succubus, right? It goes around harvesting semen from a man and it went through that whole rabbit hole, it, but we never really thought about what, where, where did Lilith come from? Well, she was a species of a Lil spirit and a little spirit was mutated consciousness. 
someone that had lived, died, molted their body, and they became disembodied. Now, this is so interesting, too, because while we have different uh, statuses of little spirits, they are all made of the same substance. And that substance is an apparition. It's consciousness. It's consciousness that you can reach out and touch. Now, that is an ancient hypothesis that is it kind of bleeds through history. And it really nestles us right now into the UFO abduction phenomenon. Because these beings are pulling out the little spirits out of people, right? Apparitions, that, that, that consciousness that's within all of us is what a lot of these beings are taking from us in abductions. So I think it's fascinating, but that's really where the root system of this, uh, this theory begins. Well, you know, and one thing that you talked about that I thought was really interesting, I just thought of this, was how the the consciousness would find a way to merge itself to metal, or people right. would merge, the consciousness would find a way to merge the consciousness of the metal by trying to bring back one of their, like, ancient Ancestors. loved ones or something like that. Right. And yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I thought that was yeah. so intriguing. Yeah. So, so this idea of merging memory with metal consciousness with the material is ancient uh, and, and for those i might repeat myself if i do forgive me because i've done hundreds of shows so it's kind of like impossible for me not to at this point but what was occurring in antiquity is you were having idolaters who were not so much trying to go out there and create demons as much as they were trying to create idols for their deceased ancestors to possess so what they would do and it's mentioned all throughout the hebrew texts and even in Mesopotamian texts as well, uh, what they would do is, okay, if their daring Edna would die, they would go to a blacksmith and tell them, I want you to create a metallic image of my daring Edna. And then so that, that, that blacksmith would go to create this idol, they would give it to this individual, and then they would place it in their home. And the belief was that the consciousness, the little spirit, the little of that deceased ancestor would then merge itself with that material image and so now you have the consciousness of that ghost now inside the metal itself even further and this gets into how uh, idolatry evolved and necromantic rituals evolved throughout history one of the ways that they would kind of preserve consciousness of a ghost is that they would go find a corpse of a recently deceased person usually it was a man and then they would take a small piece of metal hollow implant they'd carve the name of that deceased ancestor into that metal and they would implant it into the corpse the consciousness of that ghost would then step into the skin of that corpse <clears throat> excuse me now it has a new body to exist in now, this is not unlike what's occurring in the modern UFO abduction phenomenon, because we would consider those to be implants. Yes, yes, that's insane, but the implants right? The, yes, the implants themselves are consciously alive. We know this because over and over and over again, we have experiencers. I'm going to get to this is really interesting, too, if I can finish this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we have experiencers. We have experiencers, um, one is specifically in the book Beyond UFOs, who had it, he was a young kid, he had an implant in him, and the implant would turn on as if it was alive. Boom. It's alive now. And so one night, when it turned on, 
he said, suddenly he's now looking through the eyes of the ship that's about to abduct him from his room. So what, what we see in antiquity and what we see in modernity, that it's the same phenomenon in the sense that uh, a lot of these implants are designed to create a unified stream of consciousness between the abductees, the corpses and the bodies, and the consciousness that's being implanted in them. So that's just another uh, manifestation of an ancient technology that had to do with both, but really was necromancy. But I want to make another point here too. It wasn't it wasn't uh, spirituality or nuts and bolts. It was spirituality and nuts and bolts. It was memory and metal. And if we start getting deeper and deeper into this research, we now know by looking at abduction accounts that when people are on these ships, they're telling us over and over again that the ship itself, the metal, is alive. And more than that, that there's a soul in it. What's that oh point God. back to? It, go, right, it goes all the way back to the necromantic ritual I just described. We, we're dealing with souls. We're dealing with consciousness, merging memory with metal. <clears throat> so when you get people like Chris Bledsoe, who's on the ship, he's looking around and he's realizing that the ship itself is alive that there's memory in this metal and, and, and what they're the word they're using over and over again is that there's a soul merged with this ship it's not a dichotomy it's a duality <clears throat> that's that's fascinating i don't think i've ever heard you talk about that on a show before and just to go deeper on that like i remember reading abduction accounts of people like the most the most the most um when I think about implants, I think about Whitley Strieber and Roger Lear because Whitley Strieber had the most famous implant. I don't know if you remember, he talked about it on Art Bell. It was hilarious. This is something actually laughable. Like he said that when, when he went to Dr. Lear to have the implant removed, Dr. Lear and Dr. Lear vouched for this too. I don't know how true this is, but I, I believe Whitley. I think he's, you know, like he said that Dr. Lear went to go remove the, the implant and the implant moved away from it. Like it, it, it had a consciousness, like you just like you said, like it, it reacted to the knife coming towards it and moved out of the way. Have you ever heard Absolutely. of this? I, I watched the film. Yes, there's film out there about that. And, and it's not just him. There are others who've experienced that where, um, and this is so interesting. Okay, see, the, the purpose of the implant in necromancy was not to just it, take metal and to implant it in the body, right? That, you know, that, that was a means to an end. The purpose of the implant was to implant consciousness into that experiencer or into that body. Now, uh, we have experiencers that in their abduction accounts, they've asked them, why, why are you putting implants into us? And the beings have told them, because we're looking through your eyes. <laughs> Which is exactly what the Teraphim account was about. You know, why? Because there's consciousness. And now, now that consciousness that was once disembodied, now it has eyes to look through. Right? It's, and it's, and it's to, to really follow up on what you said, I remember when I talked to Daryl Sims about implants, mm -hmm. he said that like he was coming to the conclusion that he thought the, the implants were there to um, control things on the abductee. Like, like this is, gets really scary. I mean, this is really like he said that he, he thought that they they would be. Um, well, there's police sirens on somehow. But anyway, he said that the the the, the uh the, sorry where I was going with that. 
I just totally watched. Oh, but the no, no, yeah, were, possession. Were there to they would they would control the abductees' norepinephrine levels and serotonin levels. And right. he said, if somebody has that, they have you. They have you game set match. Like they're controlling your mind, right? I mean, like, so, and that's the kind right. of thing what you're saying. It's consciousness. Like they're controlling the bodily functions. Like that person no longer ceases to exist as a human, right? Or to a certain degree. Correct. Correct. You know, and it's. Oh, this is interesting too. Um, there was a an anthropologist who called these implants at one point the imprint of culture. <sighs> Think about that. And so it's not just them invading our bodies with metallic objects; it's them invading our consciousness with their consciousness, even deeper. It's not just them invading our consciousness with their consciousness; it's them invading our culture with theirs. I'm going to make you do what I want you to do when I want you to do it, even to the point that I believe there have been suicides that have occurred by virtue of these beings. Uh, we have evidence of that. But, you know, again, the, the idea, the hypothesis behind this, this implantation, it's a consciousness. It's a war of consciousness. It's literally where now I have control over you. Uh, it's like one, one abductee was told by them, we know, we're going to monitor you by watching through your eyes. Now, in demonological literature, we would call that possession. They're calling it technology. We would call it possession. But I think what this points to, again, is the fact that we're dealing with the same phenomenon that's wearing different masks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same stuff, right? We're just calling it different things. So when when you when you think about that, do you think all extraterrestrials are like some kind of like demonic, like like you know, because you have like the Nordic, the reptilian, the uh, the mantid, like you think they're just showing us different like cards, different like you know, like you send a poker game, I'm going to show you my different cards, like, but I'm never going to show right. you what I really have. Right, right. It's um, it's it's a masquerade. That's why Dr. Carla Turner wrote the book, The Masquerade of Angels. You know, even with um, Barry Fitzgerald, you know, the deception of gods and men. What are we really see? The best researchers out there are are pointing to the fact that we're dealing with a phenomenon that masks itself. And and rather, you know, at least throw this out there too. We may not be dealing uh, with the classic understanding of demons or the modern interpretation of extraterrestrial. This is what I've been doing lately in my podcast and shows is trying to point people to the, the idea that what if we have ETs here and we have demons here, and yet the phenomenon itself is something deep in the shadows, right? It's wearing the mask of demonology. It's wearing the mask of extraterrestrial hypothesis. But it's wearing the mask of religion too, right? It, it right. wears the mask Everything. of different religions, but it's not religious, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And so this gets, you know, they're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. We're trying to understand the rules here. You know what I mean? Uh, but, the, but the phenomenon does use masks. It masquerades behind different religions, different traditions. And I, I've, what I've been telling people lately is, you know, yesterday's demons are today's, today's aliens. And, and even more than that, there are people that are going out there to prove the demono demonological hypothesis untrue. But just because you prove that it's untrue does na not make the ET hypothesis right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're, you're trying to find a, a, a medium ground because you're saying 
It's not either right. of those. It's something, and I've heard you say Fever. this in other podcasts. You're saying this is like an ancient species we're dealing with that knows how to manipulate consciousness on a genius level, beyond genius. Like they know how to manipulate the soul. Like somebody can flip flapjacks on a grill. Like you know, they yeah. they they just they just mastered it, right? Like they know how to pull the soul out of the body, do whatever they want to it, put it back in, implant stuff, do all kinds of weird shit, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. One of the case studies that I had long forgotten that I recently remembered is pretty troubling. Uh, it was with Malachi Martin. And I know this is in hauntology and, and, and whatnot, but I, I, it's still germane to the conversation. He had um, performed an exorcism on someone. And yeah, I think it was unsuccessful or it wasn't successful at that point. And so, you know, it is, you, you go and you do another exorcism. So some exorcisms, can, they can last for an hour and everything's fine afterwards, or it can go on for two years. So uh, this was an ongoing case. Uh, Malachi Martin, for those who don't know, he was a famous exorcist in Catholicism. But uh, so after he, you know, he does the exorcism, he goes home, goes into his quarters, he goes to bed, and in the middle of the night, he hears something enter his room. And um, he, he rolls over, and his eyes adjust to the darkness, and there are four shadow figures lined up in a row staring at him and so he begins with the lord's prayer right our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name all that all of a sudden they speak in unison but they do the lord's prayer backwards now for the untrained ear because that's what i had too i had no frame of reference for that i just thought they were mocking him but that's not true what they were doing was a Kabbalistic ritual because Isaac Luria in the 16th century taught his students to, when, when they're dealing with the demon, to pray a prayer forward and to pray it backwards. I got chills. And in doing it backwards, you're tapping into a different level of unction, what they call extreme unction and power. And so what Malachi Martin was doing was going after them forward, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then what they were doing is upping the ante. Not only do I know what you're doing, Malachi, I'm going to do something else, and I'm going to reverse it. And so they said the prayer in reverse. So God help us. If they knew that, and they were employing a rule, of a game we're completely ignorant of. Does it make sense? Oh yeah. They, yeah, it's, it's, they it's, knew what they were doing. We had no idea. We thought it was just random, but it wasn't. There was an actual war going on in Malachi Martin's room that night. And so this gets back to my point that, you know, they are playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. And that's what we're after here. What game are they playing? Forget the, you know, anyways, I'll stop rambling, but that's where I'm at. No, no, I think that's, that's, a, that's some really interesting stuff. Like, um, I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about, um, I, I, know, I, mean, I know we thought of a little bit into Dr. Carla Turner's work, but like, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but do you think there was a chance that maybe she was taken out because she was getting yes. close to the truth? 100%, 100%. Uh, now, the problem is when you, especially with, uh, female experiencers, female abductees, and 
there's a, a lot of individuals who, once they've undergone these different tests and these assaults that these beings um, terrorize them with, they get gynecological issues. I, I've talked to women, I, I, I've talked to uh, husbands who've lost wives to this because somehow, for some reason, you know, gynecological cancers start to originate in their body. And I do believe 100% that she got too close and they took her out. Um, I myself, and not to, no, I would never suggest I'm anywhere near um, of a figure as Dr. Collar Turner was, but just to show you that if you get too deep and dark into this, it gets bad. I was threatened. I had two different experiencers email me two hours from, from each other, basically said that their, uh, their beings told them that they'll be waiting for me when I die. Oh my so, God, that's scary. Yeah, I, I shut it down. I was like, oh my God, I, I just, I was, I was done researching for a while. So, you know, this is a high stakes game. And, and to answer your question, I, I do believe they took her out. That's, that's insane. That's insane. Now, one, one video you did on your channel, which I thought was really interesting about, and I had Barry Fitz, or no, Brian Allen on my show, and he talked a little bit about them with the Collins Elite. I think this is fascinating that people need to know because it looks like yeah. that some form of the government was also getting close to, or, or, or something like that. Well, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so there were a group of physicists from the Department of Defense Department of Defense, and uh, they had a religious background, but they were also academics. You know what I mean? They weren't just Joe Schmoes. They were, you know, really high in academia, very educated. Uh, but they they knew of accounts that were more malevolent in nature. And so what they did is they went out. It was an independent group of the government. They were part of the government, but they self-funded their own research. So what they began to do is is seek out uh, the darker aspects of this phenomenon. You know, not just, okay, they went and healed my dog after they cut its throat. No, right? <laughs> what, what, what's really going on here? And so they, they reached out to various abductees. Uh, one of them was Paul Garrett. And Paul Garrett uh, had a near-death experience. <sighs> we don't have enough time, man. And uh, he had a near near death experience. I'd love I'd love to hear about it because it sounds so interesting. You can I mean whatever time it's going to take because I I, I okay. mean like I, you know it's 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 important. It, I think okay. it's important. So so this gets into the research of okay are near death experiences UFO abductions? Are you a oh my abduction? god that's it's very scary. Sorry. Are are UFO abductions out of body experiences? What what are we really needing in terms of beings when we are being abducted? Because Paul Garrett was abducted, or seemingly abducted. Uh, he had a ca catastrophic accident, and he said he was out of his body. And when he was out of his body, he saw things in the sky that were invisible to the human eye. Right, he was seeing from like the soulish dimension. And he said he was looking around and he saw tons of people, like it was like a crowded area, massive population. But he saw these, these pulsating UFOs that were flying to and fro over the population. And he said uh, from time to time, one of them would descend down over a body. The person's just walking or something. 
and is pulsating. And next thing you know, an orb, a ball of light would ascend out of that person's body and then it would go up into the ship. And so that's when Paul Garrett, it scared him to death. I mean, it changed his life. From that Pullman on, he was like extremely religious, you know, very faithful to church and everything. But it put the fear, I want to some people say it's called the fear of God, but it put something in him. Because this testimony to the call-ins elite was essentially these beings are harvesting souls from us. <laughs> so then, oh. then they, right, so then the call-ins elite, you know, again, they're going to different abduction accounts and their experiencers knocking on their doors, you know, hey, can you give us your testimony? So they find a lady named Judy, Judy Doherty. And Judy Doherty had a, a, a UFO encounter in her youth. She was riding on a dirt road in her car one day. And she said she saw a, a disc or some kind of silver metallic object just out of the corner of her eye. And so she, she slowed her car down, she stuck, turns the car off, she gets out of her car and she looks up at the ship. As soon as she does, instantaneously, in the blink of an eye, now she's no longer looking up at the ship, she's in the ship looking down at her body. Oh my God, it was an out-of-body experience. They took her ass Right, right. Or a near-death experience, just like Paul Garrett had, right? What, so this gets really, really, really troubling, but it's, it's equally fascinating. So they, they keep going into this, this idea that, that these beings, and I, I could testify to this too, because I, I, I talk to experiences as well. You know, they have the ability to pull the little part of us out of our bodies, that consciousness that exists out of the body, they could pull it out. They could pull it out. Now, they've done this with many an abductee, tons and tons and tons of them. But what this points to, again, is that whoever, wherever, and whenever they are, it seems that they also dwell in what we, could, we would consider to be the afterlife, where they're pulling us into their dimension. Because so, so you're saying the astral, the astral or the NDE world is a form of the afterlife. You're, same you're, thing, you're, same thing. I'm going to go even deeper and suggest this. Well, let me back up and set up. There's an wait, I got a question. Beyond, yeah, I, I got a question about that because, like, yep. if you ever read the work, of, I got really into out of body experiences. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a master in them by any means, and I haven't been able to travel out of body, but I tried. And if you read the work of like Robert Bruce, by the way, for example, like he talks now, I don't know if he's right or not. He talks that there would be like all these different astral worlds that he could travel to and that people would travel to. Like he even went as far as to say, you're not going to believe this, Nathan. Like he, he said that people would go to astral hospitals and like, you know, like because they, you know, I don't know how much of this is true or what, but like that makes me think of like, what is the afterlife then? Like, Correct. Have you ever heard of this? And like, what, what are your thoughts? Like, sorry, I didn't mean that. to get you off track. No, no. Well, let's see. Okay, now we're getting into near-death experience research, uh, which is deeply fascinating. But I think the evidence the, the evidence suggests that uh, whoever we're dealing with is uh, they're on the other side. Um, they exist in that dimension. 
So if we look at near-death experiences, there it's never like we all show up at the same place and there's it's the same doctrines, the same religious tradition. Okay. Now there are certain aspects of these near-death experiences that, that are uniformal, right? I see a bright light. You know what I mean? I have a, a, a life review. And then I go in and I go into these and I meet these beings and one person meets his uncle. The other person meets a sage. Another person meets an alien. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's kind of like a broad scope of events. Now, there is something that, and I know people don't like Lou, Lou Alzando, whatever. But Lou Alzando, I think he dropped a dog whistle. Because he said that what if the beings that we're meeting in near-death experiences are the same beings we're experiencing in abductions? Wow. What if that's yeah. what if what if that's another mask they're wearing? Here's why, and, and this gets even deeper and darker. But here's here's let's keep layer layering this real quick. Uh, there's one experiencer in Beyond UFOs. He had a catastrophic car accident. He's pulled out of his body. Okay, he's pulled out of his body, and he meets these beings. And uh, these beings tell him, "Look, Doc, you have two options. You're either going to die." Because they said they, they said explicitly, your doctors cannot put your body back together again. You will need our assistance if you're going to survive. They said, so here's the deal. Either you die or we put you back in your body and heal you up and you become our prophet. You have two choices. And so the man said, look, man, I want I want to survive. So he did, you know, he promised one day you're going to need me. I'll be there. So what again, what this points to is the fact that that whatever dimension they're operating in it's it's almost like they are in the afterlife or they they're members of the afterlife and then in many of these abductions this is interesting too many of these abductions occurred out of body in the experiencer the entire time thought they were embodied it's not until they become physical again that they realize everything i was taught i was taught out of body Everything I was doing, I was doing out of body. Even to the degree of flying these ships, they were doing this out of body. Now, you remember this, this uh, the constitution, the consciousness I was talking to you about? Apparitional theory, where, you know, it's not just our ghost, it's not just our apparition, it's memory, it's us. But there's a tangibility to it. People like Betty Luca, and there's a litany amount of others, were taught how to fly these ships, but they taught how to fly the, 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 the thing they taught how to fly the ship was not the body. The body's still in the car, the body's still in bed. They were teaching the soul how to do this. That's deep. That's that's insane. Like it, it's it's like I said before, it's like they have like a, a mastery over everything that they think that we think of what the soul is and there's so many levels ahead of us it seems like right yes yes it, it, it's disturbing yeah it's, so, so what this gets to though is that um how many people have they abducted that's flying their ships for them and i know that's high, whatever whatever speculation but let's go even deeper how many people have they taken at the moment of death just like that young man that was in the car accident and how many people refuse to play their game 
and we buried their bodies, but their souls are with these beings. Wow. Wow, that's insane to think. That's scary to think. That's really scary to think. Because that's right, like it makes we me buried think like, them. Yeah. This is it, what I, makes, I believe. Good. I was just thinking, like, what does that say about the afterlife? It makes me think there are like angels not real, or like I mean, like, have you ever heard of like any uh uh encounters where angels have kind of stepped in and like I mean, because I'm not religious by any means. I, I think it's an abomination, but I respect everybody's religion at the same time. But I feel like organized religion is just no good. But I, I am spiritual, so I believe in angels. I, or I, at least I like to think I do. You know, I've never had an I've never met an angel. I've never had an encounter. But like, you have you ever heard any situations where angels have kind of like tried to take these beings out, or like no? Because when we think if there's bad, there must be good, right? Or, or, or to balance, but right? Maybe it's not and that way. Well, maybe it's different than what we think it is. You know, I think that uh, more than anything else, these so-called whistleblowers, e even the ones that we take seriously have basically told us, like, it's it's there, it's real, but it's not what we think it is. We, we've been lied to in, in many accounts. Um, you know, it's so interesting because I know that, uh, let me get to your point, though. You asked, you asked the question, okay, is there any direct evidence? I, I have yet to see evidence uh not just with the abductees experiences that i work with uh but even in abduction accounts that i've read where you know somebody says okay i'm in the middle of an abduction and and i call on an angel all of a sudden the angel comes out there right sword in hand and wings and they go to war i've never read that i'm not saying it hasn't happened you know i'm just saying i haven't seen evidence of it uh there are case studies where people call on the name jesus uh or or allah or different deities and sometimes it works. Now there's a, a, I'm really in the middle of this field, I'm telling you, more than people want me to be, because uh, there's evidence that it works, you know, um, but there's also evidence where, well, like I had one case study where a lady told me, she's like, you know, I was, I was in the middle of an abduction. I called on the name Jesus and the Jesus that manifested was according to her belief. And not just that, it was according to her literacy. It wasn't, the actual historical Yeshua HaMashiach of biblical antiquity. It was like, the, you know, a redheaded um, Norwegian, right? It wasn't a real Jew <laughs> in the first century, right? It's a Swedish Presbyterian. It's not a real historical figure, right? And so, so what does that tell us is, again, that you can, t you can call on them, but again, they'll step into that. They won't shy away from it in some cases. They'll literally step into that identity. Uh, this particular Jesus held his hand out to her and said, all seed is mine. It belongs to me. And she had six miscarriages. Oh, my God. Oh, my so God. So he was trying to convince her to, to, to give up her seed. Her they're eggs, mine. Her I got chills, Robert. I got chills. They're mine. Is oh, I know. Saying. It's crazy. Like, one thing I wanted to go over, and I, I know you don't yeah. like to repeat stuff, but I, I, I've, been, I've never heard you cover this in another podcast with me, but it's because I, I asked you about it. And, like, mm -hmm. and I think it's something really interesting that the audience needs to hear about when the aliens look in the end of people's eyes. Now, I told you right. what, I, what my theory was that, I heard David Jacobs say that they're hooking into the yes. optic nerve and that stimulates some kind of sexual response, which then facilitates taking an egg. That's Jacobs' theory. Mm -hmm. But you have a different theory. Could you share that? Because I think it's so fascinating. And I, I wish yeah, other so, people would ask you about this. 
Well, you know, okay, so the earliest text that I have read in my research where this, this particular phenomenon occurred, it was with the demon Lamash tomb. And when you have these researchers out there, and I say this with humility, uh, many of them are lazy. And I say that because they'll come out and say, you know, demonology is wrong and I don't think these are demons and all this stuff. But what they're doing is they're injuring themselves because whether or not we want to believe these are demons is irrelevant. We have experiencers in antiquity, right? And so what they do is by kicking out all of the demonological literature, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, not realizing that, wait, just because we called them demons doesn't mean they were demons. What, you know, what really matters here to me is the case study. What are, what are they saying? And so in, in these texts, Lamash 2 is the baby snatcher. Hello, missing fetus syndrome. And Lamash 2 would go in the middle of the night. They would sit this, this being. I don't believe it was a being. I believe they're species, right? It's just what these things do. Anyways, they would descend down at nighttime to a pregnant woman. They would stare into her eyes. And then in doing that, they would induce them into a dream state, like a deep dream. They would kind of literally mold reality around them. And then when that woman would wake up the next day, the baby's gone. We know that in the 21st century as the missing fetus syndrome. But they didn't have that vocabulary then. Does it mean it didn't happen? Right? It doesn't mean yeah. they weren't experiencers. It just means that they had a different term, a different face to the phenomenon. Now, um, this staring into the eyes thing is, is not new, like I just described. It's very ancient. And uh, I know David Jacobs has a, a, a theory, and I, I respect him to a degree, you know, as I always do others. But um, he believes, okay, that they're, they're staring in the eyes to hack the optic nerve. I want to go deeper than that. Right behind the eyes, there's what's called the frontal or orbital media cortex. Now, what do you mean, Nathaniel? What this means is like when you go to a movie, it's that part of your brain that tells you whether or not the movie is real. And so what these beings will do is they will hack the way we perceive reality and force our brain to tell us that what they're projecting into our mind is, is reality. That's what's really going on. And we see this occur over and over and over again in demonological literature and in the abduction phenomenon. You know, even men, in, in, even the incubi and succubi, what they'll do is they'll descend down, stare into the eyes, and they will construct a dream state. And in incubi accounts, the, this is fascinating too, the woman will go into a dream state and they'll tell her that what she's experiencing is just a dream, right? But what part of the brain determines that? You see where I'm going? It's that part directly behind our eyes. So I believe that's what they do. And that's how they control what we believe. Wow, that's so interesting. Think that makes about me think that. 
it, this make this whole this whole abduction phenomenon has got me questioning what our reality really is. Like, what are we really, like? These is, are we living in some kind of simulation? And I've talked about that many times before. But like, if we have something in our eyes which tells us, which determines what's real and what's not real, how much of thing, how much of reality is a hologram? You know what I mean? And right. I know that's completely right. off topic, but it's really kind of on topic too. It's like it's it's like it makes a lot of sense as to as to like what what we might be really living in and what what these beings think of us. Or do they think we're some kind right. of like robots that are like experiencing this game called life or something like that? You know what I mean? So they feel like Absolutely. they can just take us and take whatever we want. But then what the, what what I wanted to get into the last topic for tonight was but this sequence is perfectly into it, is the hybrid. Because yeah. um, you've, you've talked about how they, you know, they take semen from men and obviously they take eggs from women and they've mm -hmm. created these hybrids. So they're trying to create soul, it seems like, or, or maybe try to manipulate soul or um, they're trying yeah. to replicate yeah. the studying species, right? For sure. For sure. There's no doubt the, the evidence, it doesn't even suggest that the evidence screams that to us, that um, they're not just, they're not just hatching consciousness and hybrids. They're stealing it. One lady that Dr. Colette Turner was working with, uh, her and her husband were, were not, they were kind of in a dry spell in their physical relationship with each other. They weren't intimate. And during that dry spell, she was abducted. She gets inseminated. She's pregnant and goes to the husband. I mean, it's like an immaculate conception in a way. Goes to the husband and says, listen, you're not going to believe this, but they took me again. You know, they, in that case, they had been taking her from her youth. So they had already had established these, these things were occurring to her. But um, she told her husband that uh, this is not a viable fetus. This, this child will die. I will not carry this baby full term. This lady ends up giving birth to this baby. This is nuts. The baby itself had died. But the next time she was abducted, they arrive. They, they bring this hybrid baby to her. And at this, the, the reason, okay, at the time, time in her life, she's telling the story, she's telling the story to Dr. Carl Turner, and she's bawling her eyes out because there's a conflict of interest here. There's, there's a problem with this woman's worldview because what I'm about to tell you just shook her to her core. She said, Dr. Turner, what I, will, what I will never understand is the consciousness of the baby I lost that I knew was going to die. They told me it was going to die. The consciousness of this baby I lost was inside the hybrid that they had gave me in the abduction. Holy shit. So, so they transferred the consciousness of this miscarried baby. And I say, please forgive me. I don't mean it. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying here. The child, Dainun, they intended for that to happen. Not her. They caused it to happen. But they harvested the consciousness out of that and placed it in a hybrid and gave the hybrid baby to her. So we need to play, pay close attention to uh, this new movement in the field that wants to romanticize rape. I know that's explicit, but we got to get down to business here. We got five minutes. They want to say that, that, that these things are not happening, that these are all lovers and light. And I want to suggest something else that I, I, I have been in meetings with women. I've, I've been in, in talks with show hosts who told me behind closed doors in the green room before and after their shows 
I have been raped by these beings, but I feel like I don't have a voice in the community because what happens is when these people start bringing out these negative encounters, they're not getting book deals. They're not doing documentaries and nobody will have them on a show. But this stuff is occurring to people. And, and I know that there, you know, I, I, somebody laughed at me in the last show we did. This is a human rights issue. This isn't limited to, to, you know, oh my God, I think I understand it all. I have all the answers. No, none of us do. It's the guy I that agree. has all the answers that I ignore completely, Robert. Get the, you know, that's I that's why like, I, some people give me shit about having different guests on my show. Like, I'll just tell you guys now, I'm, I'll never stop yeah. having various guests on my show. Like, I want to cover all aspects of all the phenomena. It's like NDEs, right. LBEs, Anunnaki, UFO abduction, demons, uh, everything. You know, I want to cover it all so we can get a, so we can all learn together and get a better exactly. perspective on what this reality is that we live in. Simulation theory, are we in a matrix? Stuff a hologram is reality illusion. That shit all interests right. me so much. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. it's all very real. You know? Yeah, and these are conversations that are worth having. And I think that, um, and you know this as a, a host of a show, dude, the worst person a person wants to have on the show is the guy says, I know everything, and you don't know anything. And that, that's not a good perspective to have. You know, I, there's things I don't know. I'll tell you that. I don't know. You know, I, I know that, that they're doing certain things, and I try to put pieces together. Um, but I think that we have to, prom, prom, you know, approach this with humility. Um, but, yeah, so, so we do have a problem in the field because people want to romanticize these certain events. Uh, you know, but we can't. We cannot simply overlook the fact that they're taking things from us without our permission. And I do not believe for a second that we have soul contracts with them to where they can manipulate us to the point that says, hey, listen, I'm going to take dominion over your body and do things to you that are unforgivable. And you made me do this or you wanted me to do this in another life. I think that's another propagandist movement, right? It's, it's another Hannibal Lecter theory where it's our fault they're doing this it's our fault we're you know i don't believe that at all i want to make sure everybody understands that um and i'll shut up that's my no 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 you're 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 right on point man i i just i love everything you're saying it's 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 honestly though i mean like after listening to you talk for an hour i honestly get scared man because like if these things have that kind of dominion over us which is which is what i would call it it seems like they have some kind of dominion over this earth. Like, and I don't want to get into hell and stuff like that. Cause I, I don't think the devil or hell is real. I, I don't know. I, I can't say it is or not. I don't, I, don't, I can't, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm just not really religious, but I mean like, because like, but like, and, and I think you even proven that the devil was more of an archetype figure. Like, but these demons are very real and they have some kind of, um, uh, dominion over this earth where they can do whatever they want to us it seems like and nobody's stepping in to stop yeah let me uh let me get your head spinning even more in my perception of this well i should say this because i'm going to use that word in the next sentence uh in my view there's only two theories present that are really strong either they're manipulating our perception of reality or they're manipulating reality. That is probably the most disturbing aspect of this because if they're just creating reality in front of us, then that's a whole different kind of power dynamic, right? It's not just, oh my God, they're, you know, 
let me say the reason I say that is because you know in and even um, in Jinn literature, their their Islamic exorcists were were talking to women and women were being induced into sleep states. This gets down to you know when they stare into our eyes and try to create things for us and kind of create this virtual reality experience. Only only these specific women were being told that that what you're experiencing is just a dream. It's not real, you know. And so what was occurring is after the actual assault, after the nightmare, after the dream, they would wake up and they would have scorifications on their bodies as if the dream was actually reality. And so, right, what these beings were doing, again, is playing with our belief systems, testing us. It's that frontal orbital media cortex part of us where they'll display something and they'll manipulate. I, I want you to believe this is just a dream, right? How are they doing that? Because it's the brain. Again, it's the same thing when you go to see a movie. It's that part of our brain that we look at and says, okay, the brain says that's not real. It's just a movie. So if they have that ability, then um, we're dealing with an apocalyptic species where they don't have to kill us to take our lives. Yeah, they could, they're kind of just like going back to like David Jacobs. Do you think there are some that are walking among us? Like, or do you think he was off on that? Point? Um, I really can't tell you. I don't know. I think that for me, the evidence of, okay, I'm talking to a hybrid is, I think it's synonymous with the evidence of I'm talking to a demon. Uh, in the sense that the demon has its own culture, its own language preference, its own memories, all of this. And so I think that prior to that, you would consider somebody possessed as a hybrid because you have two different consciousnesses in one body, right? You have the body, but you have something else inside of it, looking outside of its eyes and through the eyes, right? Uh, but I, I would like to see more evidence before I state an opinion. How about that? I, will, I don't want to yeah. say one way or the other. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to kind of reserve that. But uh, yeah. as far as Jacobs, I will say that I, I respect him to a, a certain degree. I do not believe that this phenomenon started in the 60s. I believe maybe his research started in the 60s. But the phenomenon didn't. Right? It's been here for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's a new face. But it's the same phenomenon. I mean, you, it goes, like you said, it goes back to Sumerian times, right? It seems like it's yeah. something that's always existed alongside humanity. Right, right. And yeah, and limitations, uh, the author of limitations in the Hebrew text says you sacrificed your babies to demons. Watch this. Demons, this is an older show, demons who were not gods. And then in the very next sentence, he says to gods that are new, that just recently appeared. Now, now this gets into this, this kind of weird, funky narrative of these beings uh, of wanting to be perceived as divine, right? It's, it's not just the ET hypothesis. If you look at the latest and most famous abductees now that the, the field is pushing more than others, it's literally that it's not an, it's not an alien, it's Mother Mary, right? It's not an extraterrestrial. This is a, 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 a divine being. And what I'm afraid of is that, that what we're starting to see, the evolution of this phenomenon, it's really starting to evolve. It's no longer just the ET hypothesis. Now these beings are starting to teach doctrine. 
And I realized, and I'm not a religious fundamentalist myself, and I realized that, and I have issues with that theory and all that, but when they start teaching doctrine, and they start creating cults, and they start using experiencers as prophets, and when experiencers, we've seen this with different people, when they start calling and referring to these things as my beings, my guides, singular, not ours, they're mine. What that implies is that now they're making themselves the singular mediator, right? If you want to get in contact with them, you've got to come in contact with me. That seems to be a very troubling development in the field, That one that I think is worthy of observing with caution. Yeah, this well, wow, this has been insane. This has been. I think this was. I think this is one of your best ones yet, man. This was amazing. Thank like, you. I, I, I had chills the whole time. Really, like, um, thank you. First off, and uh, second off, like, uh, can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get your books, and yeah. and uh, yeah. any anything else you want to promote? And thank you so much, man. You're awesome. Hey, man. Not I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Oh man, I'm I'm feeling fine now, man. And before I was like last week, man, I was rough. Uh, so. I do radio shows, podcasts. Uh, if you want to find more of my interviews, you obviously uh, subscribe to my friend right here on Typical Skeptic. Uh, you can find our interviews on there too. I have uh, my own YouTube channel that I, I try to update when I'm feeling well. And if you go into my playlist section of my YouTube channel, which is Nathaniel Gillis, you'll find a playlist full of my interviews, at least most of them that I could find on YouTube. I think there's 90 now, at least. Um, so you can find me on YouTube. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I have my own show on Leak Project. It's called The Ghost Notes, and it's not an interview. I really just get up there and I just start talking. Sometimes I just talk, you know, just off the wind and start rambling and stuff. But um, that's how you can find me. And uh, I want to say this real quick. I think we are dealing with high magic to a degree. I oh, think yeah. We're dealing to it. Right. We're, uh, I was, I don't know, give me five more minutes and I'll shut up. Yeah, cool? yeah, no, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just, I, I knew you weren't feeling good, so I didn't want to no, drag it on. So, I'm fine. But we're, but we're well, bitches are going so good, I'd love to hear more. Okay, watch this. So, so um, again, when we're dealing with the missing fetus syndrome, that was first known as the red right in antiquity, right? What we know for sure was that uh, the insemination of women with stolen seed was occurring, right? So even with Lilith, when we started the show out, Lilith was the the father of demons or the father of hybrids, whatever you want to call or the mother, I'm sorry, the mother of hybrids. Uh, but what she was doing, <clears throat> she was going to men, she was taking seed. Then she was transforming herself as a man, going to a woman to inseminate her. We know that throughout history as the incubi and succubi phenomenon, but we never really understood what the purpose of the fetus was, right? We knew what it was doing. We knew they were taking the child. We just didn't know why. Well, it wasn't until I encountered what's called the red right that some of these pieces started to come together, right? The red right was performed by a high magician. I'm not talking about he smoked some weed. I'm talking about a dude that would, would make Aleister Crowley crawl underneath his bed at nighttime. Really, really, really powerful guys. But what they were doing is they were trying to preserve their own consciousness, much like these beings are, right? What they were doing is they realized that at the moment when their body started to, to die or when they got at old age, they would go and they would do the succubi, they would take seed and they would implant seed into a woman. Hello, UFO abduction phenomenon. They would create a fetus inside that woman 
And then in about four months, they would remove through high magic that fetus and place their consciousness inside of it. This was known as the red rite. So in that one account, we can understand that that would be perceived in the modern lens as the missing fetus syndrome and UFO abduction phenomenon. We have ova being taken or we have a reproduction event occurring, <coughs> seed being taken, creating a baby and the baby's gone. The baby's gone and we don't know where it's at. Even deeper, this is also, this also points as uh, fascinating, uh, Betty Luca was abducted and she asked these 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 uh, beings, where are all of these 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 hybrids coming from? And these these literally these these aliens, whatever, you know the big eyes. They said, well, these are vessels that we have taken. Matter of fact, these are the fetuses that we've taken from your women. So I believe high magic is being employed. It's just like the. Uh, the remote viewer that I, I constantly refer to in my lectures, his father was pulled out of his body. But when he got back into his body, these beings had carved religious amulets into him. Matter of fact, it was subdermal. It came from underneath the skin to the surface. Okay. I know this is a lot. Wow. <laughs> but these were, these were different religious amulets. Uh, these weren't exclusive to a different, to, to a specific religious tradition number one it was it was a, it was a jewish star of david then it was a cross and then on the bottom or i'm sorry on the top there was an arching display of egyptian hieroglyphics and i'll finish with this i recently about not recently, about six months ago i got a book by a brahmin the mage he was a high magician he was a kabbalistic magician and he had went through all around the world talking to magicians and sorcerers, trying to gain knowledge about you know, what's going on on the other side. He said the only time he encountered someone who had Egyptian hieroglyphics on their skin, he said he was told that was angelic magic. And he said when he saw that on their skin, he freaked out and walked out of the room and said, I refuse to even engage because that's a whole nother level. So again, if they're doing this stuff, I believe that we are dealing with high magic, which also makes sense as to why Jack Parsons was contacting them. And as uh, why, as why uh, who was it? Uh, Alistair Crowley was contacting them. They were contacting them through magic, which is, terrifying because what if we are dealing with sorcerers right and i'll shut up well that's 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 so deep man so that's deep so that the demons are actually harnessing some form of old magic that they might have absolutely angelic magic fallen angel right. but you said they're not fallen angels though right no. well <laughs> i would consider <clears throat> so so the, so fallen angel the, the, that term doesn't even exist in hebrew texts it was it was made up after it's a paradox if it's if it's an angel it's not fallen if it's fallen it's not an angel right uh but if we get into what an angel was there was one understanding of an angel the again it preceded the hebrew text but it was in ugarit in ugarit it was malakuma for angel 
Um, and so Malakuma Tevim, again, was pointing to that aspect of consciousness, right? The Lil spirit, that when a person dies, they become like a bird with wings. That's why we have in, in uh, Greek literature, the angels have wings. They fly. And so their understanding was that, that there are angels that fly. What was that? Before we were told it was. The angel itself was consciousness that evolved. It was a formerly human being. So if these are angels, I would suggest that they are angels in the term of the little spirit and of the Malakuma, right? These are formerly human beings. And they're using their high magic against us. Matter of fact, there was one experiencer beyond UFOs who was told that explicitly. I am a formerly human being. This is who I am now after I died. Which I'm going to kind of couch this and I'll shut up because I know I ramble. It would make a lot of sense if they were formerly human because they're existing in the afterlife. Oh my God, yeah. You, 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 I just put that, yes. yeah, that makes sense, right? Right. That no wonder they have such a profound knowledge of the soul. They are souls. Oh my so, God, that's so deep. But like, how do they turn into the, the mnemonic? Like, because they're from this little spirit or like, is it like, yes, you know what yes, I'm trying so, to say? Like, yeah. or they, they've just so, learned how to harness magic and they've decided to be like, like serial killer mentality. And yes, you know, yes. 100%. Now, now again, what we're dealing with are beings that have uh, different belief systems. They have different language preferences. Why? Because they're from And even more than that, like, you know, they, ha they have an understanding of a the soul. They're performing necromantic rituals. Why? Right? They have knowledge of these things. They're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. Now, this gets into Ray Fowler. Ray Fowler's work is so interesting. Uh, because he was the researcher that was working with Betty and Bob Luca. And Betty Luca was like, look, dude, they're taking my soul out of my body, you know, and, and I don't understand what's going on. Uh, Ray Fowler suggested something that I think is deeply troubling, as it is interesting. He said, they are the butterfly form of us. We are the larva form of them. In other words, uh, <laughs> that when we die, some of us will become them or will be taken by them, which would make sense. Let's, let's test that theory. Is that why during its certain abductions that people witness deceased loved ones? Oh my God, right? this is so scary. This is insane. Right. This is what insane. I mean, this, you're brilliant, man. This is insane, though. This is like, well, I don't, I keep saying right. the same thing. It's, it's so Thinking out of the uh, box. They can get out of the box. Now, now watch this. This is why we meet them in near death experiences. Yes. Right. It's in the astral. It's in the, right. it's in the afterlife. That's the where they are. I got chills. I got chills. Right. Because it's not, again, we, we've got to stop thinking one dimensionally. It's not nuts and bolts or the astral world. That's never what the game they were playing was. It's both. Just like you have a soul and a body, right? And so, so again, what we're dealing with are beings that are outside that, this dimension. And, and so let me, go, let me go deeper. This, believe it or not, this is what the Bible taught us in Genesis 6. This is why in modern translators, especially in, in the religious movements, they focus on the word Rephaim 
in terms of giant, they forget that the Rephaim has a dual meaning. It also means ghost. And so what the Hebrew texts were teaching us, and what I told you about a fallen angel, <clears throat> Malakuma, right? The, 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 the consciousness left like a bird, right? It flies, it's the Baasol in Egyptology. It flies away. What they were saying was these bird-like angels that left the body at death, they fell. So in a sense, they are angels because they had died, but now they're being reborn among us, and now they're here. <clears throat> so in antiquity, we had, an, we had fallen angels, but more than that, we had a giant. That's the hardware, right? Then we had the ghost that was in it, and that's the software. It's all the same phenomenon. And I don't know what, that's a whole other show, bud, but thank you for putting up with me. No, no, this was, this was amazing, man. Like I said, I think this was some of your best stuff yet. Like, it, I, I, I'm going to, this is amazing. I'd love to have you back on, like, and sure. see where this research goes, because I think you're, you're tying together a lot of, um, a lot of important facts, you know? I hope so, man. I don't know it all, and we'll tell you guys that. But um, hopefully, we're putting together some things, and you know, all we're trying to do is understand it more and push these beasts back into the darkness. That's really what we're doing. Yeah, but um, if, if we if we can, you know, I mean, it seems like they're so far ahead of us. It's like impossible to get a, you know. Yeah, it there. Yeah, it, and there's there's also a fear of mine that is that they're evolving according to our awareness. Oh wow! Which which means once our eyes adjust to it, they've already have they they're they're two steps ahead. Oh well, that's not who we are. You know, yesterday's demons are today's aliens. The only difference is we term them differently. Uh, case in point: when we had Roman soldiers writing to their generals that we're being haunted by flying shields, were they flying shields? No. But yesterday's flying shields are today's flying saucers. I was sure. thinking about this. You know what they, no. they could do, Nathan? They could, they could honestly merge as AI next. They can merge as AI. Right. And then, you know, like what Elon Musk is doing with Norlink, and he gets right. people hooked up into, uh, if people start to merge their consciousness to AI, and then the demons merge their consciousness to AI, that's easy pickings. Easy pickings. Easy pickings. And, and, and also, if they wanted to, this again, possession is pregnancy to them. If they wanted to merge their consciousness with a biological entity, they would just have babies and possess the fetus. That is the red right. Remember? Yeah. I'm yeah. dying, yeah. but I, this, is, this, is, this, is the, this is the ancient belief of, of, of unclean spirits. They weren't horns and hooves. These were disembodied people who, who literally, in order for them to stay alive and, and stay alive, they had to, to, they were out of body, so they had to create a new body to possess, right? I will possess this as my body. This is, and this gets back into uh, the 16th century, the debook phenomenon. These women were being possessed by consciousness, but they were being inseminated with seed. And so while they're being possessed, they had a fetus growing in their womb. Now, at, again, at a certain period of time, the consciousness that had possessed them would leave. At the same time, so also would the fetus they were pregnant with. 
In that one fleeting moment, we have both phenomena present. We have the consciousness in the fetus. And when the consciousness left, so did the fetus as well. What are they doing? They're placing their consciousness in babies and birthing it through our wombs. That, I believe, is, is an invasion. Yeah. All right. Wow. I'm done for real, man. I'm done for real. But did yeah. you promote your stuff? I can't remember. Can you tell yeah. everybody where um, to find you and where to find your books and stuff? And thank yeah, you man. Again. So this was awesome. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, Amazon. You can find my books, and then I have um, at least a moment called Man, and then uh, you can find me on my YouTube page. My show is on Link Project every Thursday at nine. I was doing it every every week, but uh, I'm going to do it every other week now because of my workload, man. If I'm not doing shows, I'm doing lectures. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard not to repeat yourself. It's like you got to stay fresh. So I'm trying to, you know, be better with that. But, um, yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to being on with you again. Yeah, and uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Check out our affiliates and uh, all.